Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Radio's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandy BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score. Welcome to Kansas State Week. It is finally upon us. One of two 10-pole games this season. That's going to tell us exactly what the heck this team is and what the heck the Mizzou program under Eli Drinkwitz is. No pressure. BK, how you doing, man? Real football is here, baby. Now, last week, unfortunately, we learned things about Missouri, and I've been telling you guys all along, you don't want to learn anything about your football team in the first two weeks of the season when you play Missouri's schedule. Unfortunately, we kind of did, uh, or at least it feels as though we did. Sometimes, though, college football, as we know, can show you one thing and then reveal something completely different the next week. And I think what all of us are hoping uh, as Mizzou fans is that last week was the fluke, and this week ends up becoming more of what the norm is if it goes the way we're all hoping that it can against Kansas State. So I'm doing well, Nate. I'm excited to watch a real football game, and hopefully this one makes us feel a little better than the last one did. Let's hope. I mean, Middle Tennessee might end up being a pretty good team. I don't know. We've also seen Missouri teams struggle in the non-con and pull off big wins. Think of that 2010 Missouri team that struggled against San Diego State and then beat Oklahoma. Still one of the best moments, environments that I've ever been in in sports. Also go back to last year. We don't have to go that far. Have a clunker against Auburn, almost beat Georgia. This stuff happens, man. Like you said, it rarely are college teams consistent week to week. So you just never know. Uh, and here we are. We are in the precipice of destiny for the 2023 season. 
the discourse around this team has been pretty much exactly what you think it is. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz got up today. He's doing his little barbecue Q&A today. He met with the media earlier this afternoon. Sounds like, I didn't believe it, but it sounds like there might be uh, some competition at the right guard spot. Again, I will believe it when I see it. Uh, that is currently manned by Cameron Johnson, the Houston transfer. Allegedly, uh, we're going to have Logan Reichert and EJ and Domo Ogar potentially rotate in to see what they can do. Again, I'll believe it when I see it. When he trots out the same starting five as last week, then it won't mean anything. And if we do see something different, that's fine. But BK, I mean, you know, when you learn these things, you talk about learning about your team. Clearly, the staff is learning things about their team as well. After week one is we need to change the snapper, and then you missed the extra point. This sure. week is we got to change the right guard. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? So this is what I actually kind of believe. And the reason why is because we saw this in fall camp. We were wondering all throughout fall camp, like, hey, you you brought in Cameron Johnson, you brought in Marcellus Johnson. These are guys that you thought were going to be significant players for you. And you're kind of working them in and out of the lineup. And that's strange because last year the offensive line wasn't very good and you wanted to upgrade from them. So you bring in this guy that was an all-conference player under your current offensive line coach at his previous stop. And you bring in Marcellus Johnson, who came to Missouri because... Hey, man, I've got NFL draft aspirations, and I want to show that I can play more than just one position on the offensive line. I want to show my versatility. And the results have been, hey, let's play the guys that we played last year. And I'm sure that's going to be better than if we played Marcellus Johnson and Cameron Johnson. And to be totally fair to Eli Drinkwitz on this one, I don't think Cameron Johnson has been particularly good so far. And Marcellus Johnson, when we've seen him, has been a penalty machine so far in very, very, very limited snap counts. So maybe it does make sense. I mean, we've seen it in the past. EJ and Doma Ogar, while limited, can really open things up in the running game. And this is a team that is going to clearly lean very heavily on the running game. And that was Cameron Johnson's weak point, even when he was at Houston. So if you are going to be a remarkably heavy run team, well then maybe EJ Ndoma Ogar actually fits what you're trying to accomplish a little better than the guy that you brought in from Houston, who may be more talented, but it's not always about talent. It's also about fit. And for this team right now, the fit is the guy that's going to be able to open some stuff up in the running game. So I kind of do believe it. I think they're at least going to open things up this week in camp or in practice. And then we'll find out what they end up doing in the game. I hate when teams do this, but I wouldn't even be surprised if it's one of those things where they give like, Cameron Johnson, two series, EJ and Doba Ogar, two series, and then make the decision from there in this game against K-State. I hate doing that, especially against a legit Power 5 opponent, but mm -hmm. that might be the type of thing that they try to do. I think you and I have both been really big EJ fans since he has been on campus. The issue, of course, is his health. You know, he, he tends to get injured, which sucks. If it ends up being him, I'm fine with it. I, if it's a legitimate competition, again, I'm fine with it. This is this is part of athletics. It's it's creating internal competition to put the best ones out there. There's nothing wrong with that. I just you talked last show about putting your hand on the stove and getting burned and learning not to touch it. How many times have we heard Eli Drink would say, "I got to get better here," or "We got to reevaluate that," and nothing changes. So, like, if he's if he does he's on the line, though, that's that's the one thing that he has done is he's made flips on the offensive line. It hasn't always worked out, but they have made some changes there at times. So, I mean, if he's actually going to do it, I'm fine with it. I, I'm absolutely fine with it. Uh, find find a way to run the ball because that's all your that's the most of the things that you're going to do. 
uh, and like we said, well, you know, I thought that the, there's a lot more options on offensive line. And again, through two games, we've seen six players. So, you know, it's, I like to see what other people can do as well. Um, and yeah, it doesn't matter what you did last year. That was last year. You got to think about what you're doing this year. And if that means taking your all American transfer and, and putting them behind the guy who's been in the program for two years, so be it. Put the best guys out there. I, I would I would make a different change, by the way, to the offense. I would say, Mookie, you're not a starter anymore. Uh, if Kai Miller. Miller is healthy, he should be your starter on the outside going into this game. Like I've, yeah. Mookie doesn't have to be completely relegated to the bench, but he's been your least productive player that's getting significant snaps. And yes, I'm including the offensive linemen in terms of like the productivity of the quality of the blocks that they're making. Mookie's on nothing for you so far this season. When Makai Miller's been in, he's made plays. So I, I would just make that flip as well. I don't think that this should just be a one spot gets changed this week. I think that wide receiver spot where Mookie Cooper's at right now um, sh- should be open for competition as well. And they clearly don't appear to see it that way. I mean, assuming Makai Miller is healthy, that's the only thing. He missed sure. the second half of last week's game with something. So, yeah, I, w- I would be good with that, too. You're not taking away Luther Burden. Clearly, you're not taking away Brady Cook. Um, but, I mean, frankly, I would say that it should be a constant, uh, you know, evaluation of what you have and what they're doing. I know that's not great for offensive line cohesion, but that's the benefit of playing an FCS team and a G5 team in your first two weeks. You figure out what you have two weeks into the season with, well, hopefully no repercussions of that experimentation. We just have not seen that. So if you're waiting to experiment and juggle three weeks into the season when you had that chance in two whole games, a little disappointing. But hey, at least hopefully he's learning something and maybe something good comes out of it. At a bare minimum. That's where I'm at as well. Uh, Nate Pete need to see him more in this game. Uh, He had, he was like, what was it? Five carries on one drive in that game against Mm -hmm. Middle Tennessee. And then... We basically didn't see him again outside of the wheel route that he took for, you know, 50 yards or whatever it was. More Nate Pete. You're going to need explosives in this game. And Nate Pete is a guy that can create those for you. Uh, Luther Burden is a guy that can create those for you. We've seen Makai Miller come up with a few of those because of what he's doing down the field to win in contested catch situations and to create separation uh, while he's in man-on-man coverage. So those are the guys that you're going to need to rely on in a game like this is, it, it, I've always heard it's it's about players, not plays. Find the players that can make the plays for you. Nate Pete can make plays, and we need to see a little bit more of him in this game as well. I know they don't trust him the way that they do Schrader, but sometimes you've got to be open to the guy that's just going to go out there and out-talent the opposition. I talked about this in the uh, Beyond the Box score that dropped uh, today. This is kind of a bell, bell cow offense, uh, and by that I'm you know, the, the offensive coordinator or the coach or whoever finds one or two guys that he knows can deliver, and then you just feed him the ball constantly. Lane Kiffin do, did this at Alabama. He did this at USC. He's doing it at Ole Miss. Tulane did a lot of that last year. Penn State does this sort of thing. And that's when you have a dude, you get that dude the ball. And this year you have Luther Burden, who is responsible for six explosive plays over two games so far. You also have Cody Schrader, who they want to be the dude and has had uh, two explosive plays so far this year. Then you have Nate Nathaniel Pete, who was one of two guys to do explosive plays against Middle Tennessee, including two, including that beautiful wheel route. So if you want explosive plays, which Eli Drinkwitz has specifically cited before multiple times, 
We need to get bigger plays. We need to chunk plays. Got to get the explosive plays. Play the guys to get you the explosive plays. Luther Burns, one of them. Nathaniel Pete's the other. And if you need to work in Cody Schrader, that's fine too. But that might just be how we do this going forward. Those two or three guys and everybody else just pitches in when they can. There are worse ways of doing it in college because there's a talent disparity, but it's also got to work. And we have not seen it work against the P5 yet. The nice thing is you've got the guys in the right positions to be able to do that. At the Power 5 level or really college football in general, you want one guy operating out of the slot if that's going to be a guy that you're going to get the ball to a lot. We saw this last year with Eli Drinkwitz's offense with Dominic Lovett, and we've seen it last year as well for those that were watching at all. Uh, Fresno State did the same thing. They had a slot receiver that just won across the middle all day long. They were not throwing deep to him. He was a guy that won with crossers. He was going to run with drags. He was going to run with deep overs, those kinds of things. Like when he was creating explosives, it was typically after the catch, whether it was a slant crosser, a deep, whatever it was, maybe a post like we saw last week with Luther Burden. That is what you want your wide receiver to do coming out of the slot. And then the other one is just running backs, dude. Like you can run an offense through a running back at the college level in a way you just can't at the NFL level. You can do it at high school for sure. And then college, you can do it as well. If you have the prerequisite of a solid offensive line, but those two spots are where Missouri has its explosives coming from this year. And thankfully uh, those are the two spots where you want them to be. If it was an outside wide receiver and like a tight end, that's a little harder to be able to scheme for. Yeah, that was the old 2017-2018 uh, Missouri offense. Um, now, you mentioned the crossers and the drag routes with Jalen Cropper at Fresno State, which dude rocked. Um, that was Kirby Moore's last stop. That was his previous offensive coordinator spot. You went ahead and did some did some homework, did some math this week, and you looked at passing depth and passing uh, just passing charts for all of Eli Drinkwitz's quarterbacks and Kirby Moore's quarterbacks, and you found some interesting stuff. Why don't you tell our listeners about it? Yeah, okay. So the genesis of the story was the following. Missouri has four passing plays of 20 or more yards this season. Four. They've played two games now, and they have done so against South Dakota and Middle Tennessee State. That is unacceptable. That that cannot happen. Now, it is important to note here, a pass play of 20 or more yards does not necessarily mean a pass play that traveled 20 or more yards in the air. Right. That could mean a screen that ended up the wide receiver took it for 20 yards and that's an explosive play, right? It does not matter how you get there. It just matters that you end up accumulating 20 yards on that play. So four pass plays of 20 or more yards on the season. Brady Cook is responsible for three of those four plays. One of them was CM Horn on a deep pass to Makai Miller as well. So why is that? What's happening here? Well, part of it is they're running the dang ball all day long. So you're just not throwing that much. And when you don't throw very often, there's not a lot of opportunities to create explosives through the air. That is just like a a fact of what is taking place right now. They're bottom 15 in the country in passing attempts. Just a very base level statistic. How often do you throw the football? They don't do it very often at all. They're among the lowest... They're down there with Navy, let's put it that way, in terms of the the rate of passing the football. So, how often are you throwing it deep down the field? Pro Football Focus breaks this down in terms of 20 or more yards down the field. That is what they consider to be a deep pass. Well, this season, Brady Cook 
is attempting a deep pass, one that travels at least 20 yards down the field, 10% of the time. So if he's thrown 40 passes on the year, and just as a bare bones basic number, four of them would be traveling at least 20 yards down the field in the air. That is second to last in the SEC. You would be correct in saying that is not enough. They probably need to bump that number a little bit. However, I think some immediately hear that and say to themselves, well, that's why Brady Cook can't be the quarterback. You need to get somebody in there that's going to test it down the field a little bit more often. Okay. Connor Bazelak threw the ball down the field 12% of the time in 2021. That was 12th best in the SEC that season. Brady Cook, for context, was at 15% last season. So he actually was better at this than the last guy that you had in this offense. Now, you may be wondering, okay, but I thought this was Kirby Moore's offense now. Things have changed, right? Isn't that it, that's supposed to be better? Kinda. Uh, but Jay Kaner, who was a good quarterback and was then drafted by the New Orleans Saints and has since been suspended for PEDs. Not great, Jay Kaner. Um, Jake. He... Throw the ball deep 11% of the time, which is almost exactly where Brady Cook is at right now. And it is the exact midpoint of where Cook is at now and where Basilek was at in 2021. So I say all of that to say this, Nate. Is this a quarterback issue? Yes. Is this a scheme issue? Yes. Is this an offensive line issue? Yes. Is this something where they are saying to themselves, because of all of the things that I just mentioned... We need to get the ball out of Brady Cook's hands as quickly as humanly possible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are getting the ball out of the, their quarterback's hands faster than all but one team in college football oh. so far this season. 2.2 seconds is the average oh, yeah. time to throw on the year for Brady Cook. So Damn. this is a scheme, man. This mm -hmm. is how they are operating as an offense. They believe their best chance to win is to mitigate their offensive line, as at least against the teams that we've seen so far, this could change. But so far, the, the clear and obvious game plan has been mitigate the offensive line issues by getting the ball out of Brady Cook's hands quickly. And by the way, mitigate the quarterback issue of having a not super talented guy at the position. Get it out of his hands. Get it to your playmakers. Most specifically, get it to Luther Burden as quickly as humanly possible and yep. then let that guy eat in space because we've got him in the slot now. Mm -hmm. That is the entire design of the offense. You can love it. You can hate it. If it works, I think more people will like it. But right now, it is not working for a million different reasons. So I wanted to do a deep dive into what was going wrong, why they only have four explosive pass plays so far this season, and... There are a million different reasons as to why, but that's basically what I came up with is this is how the offense is designed for better or worse. Receivers got to get, they got to make those plays when you're putting them in space like that. That's you find the small shifty ones to give it juke and go. Luther's been pretty good. He also likes to bowl a few guys over, which is cool, but Luther wins with yak. That's what this offense wins with. And we just have not seen it. You get you got a ton of yak with Nathaniel Pete catching a 49-yard wheel route, but like how often is that open? The internet will tell you every time that you run it, but realistically, you know, it's a it's a check. Um, so yeah, it's it's getting your players in space. And a lot of times that space is close to the line. And a lot of times the offensive line is moving to try and make some blocks so that they can clear it out and the playmaker can go by, go make a play. And that's just how this works. It might seem reductive. 
and especially from a fan base that literally saw Drew Locke throw it 60 yards down the field not even five years ago, it might seem painful and annoying. But I think a lot of this is that we, the collective we, the royal we, I'll throw me, I'll throw myself in here. It doesn't look any different, and so we are anticipating no change in the in the win loss column. We're going to lose to K State. We're going to lose to Georgia. We're going to lose to LSU. We'll probably beat South Carolina. Maybe we'll beat Kentucky. Six and seven. That's what it feels like because that's what we see. But this stuff can work. This offense can work. And I guarantee you, the second that this offense wins 10 games, you're not going to be caring about the deep shots or lack thereof. You'll be like, hey, it's great that we're winning games. It's great that our defense kicks butt. It's great that the offense can get enough. Like, That's really the issue. It feels like we're not going to be advancing because the offense doesn't look any different. But when it does, if it does, however you want to frame that, you're not going to care as much. So we got to get the wins. We got to get the wins, BK. And unfortunately, K-State is in town. Yeah. And how does K-State work? Now, here, here's here's the good thing. Everything you hated about Middle Tennessee, K-State is the exact opposite <laughs> of that. Okay? Middle Tennessee likes to huck it 20 yards and hope for a prayer. K-State likes to run for three or four and hope for a big break. You know, K-State's a lot more similar to what Georgia was last year, honestly. Basically, yeah. Middle Tennessee's going to blitz their ass off on you and, and, and cause havoc, and K-State's just going to hover and kind of we're just going to float over here and eat you and then float over here and eat you and it's just like how do we get past it so it is going to be stylistically much different than what we saw last week which is what mizzou struggled with however this is k-state just to give you an idea of what we're going up against sp plus sees them as the 15th best team in the country the 16th best offense and the 18th best defense Uh uh-oh as a comparison, Missouri currently 46th in SP+, 64th on offense, 25th on defense. So it's a undefeated versus undefeated matchup. It's a, it's a sellout at Faroe. This team is going to be motivated to win because they got passed last year. They're going to be motivated to show something, right? Something to prove. That seems to be the thing that we're talking about this year because they just barely eked by a conference USA foe. I don't know what to expect. I have been positive, Nate, all year. You've been negative BK so far. But I don't know. I I really don't know what to expect because this team can be wildly different, and I don't know what K-State is going to be like on the road. But here we are on the precipice of destiny, BK. How are you feeling? So I'm going to give you my honest answer to that question. Strangely optimistic. Like, I have no reason... None to believe. They have given us zero reason to think, ah, uh, this is the team that can pull off an upset. However, I'm going to go off of more than just what we've seen so far this year. We've seen how this team loses, especially against teams like Kansas State. And while Kansas State specifically <laughs> was the outlier last year, it's typically close, man. Like Auburn last year on the road, losing overtime, should have won that game. Georgia yield that game close. On the road at Florida, close. Kentucky, close. Like, even the wins against teams like this are typically grinded out. What is the the label that you have put on it? The the hamburger. Productive hamburger. Yeah, like, 
That's what yeah. this is, dude. A couple of yeah. years ago on the road at Kentucky, you lose by seven. BC, which played at that point in time, pretty similarly to this version of Kansas State, you lose in overtime. Should have won that game if not for some stupid mistakes. Like, they find a way to make these games close more often than not. When it is a close talent gap. That outlier was last year against Kansas State. And so I think that comes to the forefront of your mind. And I don't blame you if it does. That was embarrassing. But this is at home. This is a different Kansas State team. While still very good, I don't think they have the same NFL talent that that team had a year ago. Deuce Vaughn, NFL player. Felix Anaduke Uzoma, uh, first-round pick. They had a cornerback that was like a second-round pick, I believe. They had some dudes on that team a year ago. Got some good players this year. Not sure they have any that rise to the level of those guys, except their defensive end to replace Felix, who I think is probably going to be a top 50 pick. But that's neither here nor there. Don't don't worry about that. <laughs> I think this one's going to be close, man. I don't I don't have the, the gumption to pick Missouri to win, but I do think this is going to be within a touchdown. So that's that's my honest to God thoughts, and it scares the hell out of me as a Mizzou fan that I have any sort of optimism about this game. Look, man, half, half of Missouri's games end in one score. So you are well within an understandable reason to say it's going to be close because that's just kind of what. And of the games don't, how many of them are against like an FCS team in the positive direction or against a team that they had no chance of beating in the negative direction, right? Like, or South Carolina that we routinely beat by 15 <laughs> or no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> It's basically like Bama and Georgia, uh, yeah. other than last year, of course, like yeah. they, or Tennessee. Tennessee is really the one. Yep. They crush you. The teams that you know you're going to beat, you crush them. And then everybody else is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And I, I do have the feeling that this game is closer to the middle than it is either of the other two spectrums. Yeah. I mean, you're right. K-State is always going to operate better when it has NFL talent on there. And they did. And Adrian Martinez was not drafted, but that was a, that was a good quarterback uh, that we kind of look, made look pretty stupid. Uh, 40% completion rate. He did not really get the yards that he liked to get on the ground. He had to really work for it. Will Howard is a pretty decent quarterback. Just another one of those overlooked mid-three-star guys that just happened to take to the system really well. I really like him, by the way. I think he's good. He's good. He's good. DJ Gibbons is another... Junction City, Kansas, two-star running back who, oh, by the way, plug him into the system and he's a freaking All-American. Um, this offense goes through Phillip Brooks, who, again, unranked receiver out of Lee Summit that nobody cared about. And he is like their all he's basically their Jeremy Macklin. Returns punts, returns kicks, little scooter receiver that just kills everybody. So this, you know, don't look at the the high school rankings. Like that's no, just like, you know, just like Snyder before climbing and just like Pinkle, it's not about what they were in high school. It's about what they became at, at the school. So it's the same thing. But you're right. They don't have that NFL firepower that they did last year. They still operate the same way. Ball control, much like Missouri, three-yard run, four-yard run, three-yard run, first down. Um, so really what this comes down to, and my preview is going to drop tomorrow. We're recording on Tuesday, so we'll come out on Wednesday. I mean, I've got three points for Missouri. I've got two points for K-State, but really it's who's going to win on third down. 
because K-State needs to convert third downs to hold on to the ball and make you frustrated, and Missouri needs to convert third downs so our cowardly coach doesn't give the ball away to the other team. Whoever does better there, I kind of feel like is going to be the winner of this game, and that's very simplistic. It's not going to work that way, but that's that's just my feeling. I think you're going to need a fourth down conversion in this game. Oh, God. He has I'm, to I'm, at this point. I'm serious. He has to. I, 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 I know that we've harped on this so much over the last week specifically, but I just, you look back to a year ago. So Chris Kleiman is super aggressive on fourth down. They attempted 30 third or fourth downs, excuse me, 30 fourth down attempts a year ago. How many would you guess Missouri had last year? Fourth down attempts. Three. Well, well over that. The, the lowest in college football was seven, but Missouri was at 20. 20 fourth down attempts in 13 games. They can I don't remember a single one. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that was good for, and I say good for, 94th nationally, oh, and a tie for 94th where there were 20 teams in the country that had fewer uh, fourth down attempts than Missouri last year. You have to be aggressive in a game like this, and it might lose you the game. Like, you just have to be okay with that going into it where you say to yourself, all right, this is our spot. And you need to have a call in that spot that you believe can work. And that might be a misdirection run. It might be a pass play to Luther Burden where you're like, hey, we've been holding this thing in because we know we had South Dakota and Middle Tennessee the first two weeks, and now is the time. Release it. Like, go for it here. Those are the kinds of things that it's going to take in this game. Because you're right, like you got to be successful with the running game. Uh, you're going to need a couple of explosive plays in the passing game. You cannot turn the football over. You got to all of the normal things. Finish your drives, right? You got to come up with some explosive plays defensively as well. Create that havoc that we know that ends drives for K State, puts them behind the sticks because they don't want to play that way. But ultimately, if you're able to come down with a fourth and one from the plus forty-five and you extend a drive that otherwise would have scored you no points, and instead you're out there getting three or seven because of that drive, that's the kind of thing that can flip this game on its head. And it just depends if he's willing or able to do it. I was at the uh, Missouri Tiger Club in St. Louis today, and I was taking some questions from the group, and someone asked me, you know, how would you feel if Missouri lost to Kansas State? Just flat out. Like, how does that affect your out, outlook for, for the season? And I think we've, we, we have been on this show talking about how K-State and Kentucky are basically your, your two test points for this season. Uh, it doesn't ruin, like, goals, but, like, it, it's going to tell you a little something. And I almost went with that answer, and then I, I stopped, and I realized that I had a different answer now. If Missouri empties the playbook, so to speak, does a bunch of deep shots – goes for it on fourth down two or three times, like really does some sellout blitzes, gets creative in how they get Luther the ball, or like show me some two running back sets, like run the T up, whatever. However it looks, if they get creative and lose, I'm not happy, but it would tell me that Eli has learned something and can do different things and, and can evolve into something different. If Missouri loses by any number of points, and does the exact same thing they've been doing for the past two years, that's going to upset me. Because that tells me when you have a big game and a big moment, you don't change anything. And I, 
you said it last show, you can't win games running this style of football. And if he's not going to change, that's really going to bum me out going forward. So here's my question for you. Say Missouri plays pretty similar to how they did last year against Georgia. They run it well, play ball control, come with a couple of turnovers. Cook makes a few plays here and there. Burden makes some plays here and there. And they lose by three, 27-24. But nothing really changes in the way that they played. Like we talked about this last year, about the results versus the process, right? Georgia kind of dictated that game. They outgained Missouri 480 to 295. They had 14 more first downs than Missouri. And Missouri had 14 on the day. Missouri was three for 13 on third down. Like it was mostly turnover luck that dictated that game, even being close. How would you feel about that? Like you're a Mizzou fan, you lose by three. So you cover the spread, you exceed most people's expectations going into this game, especially given what the what last week was. How do you feel? I mean, other than the fact that great teams cover, I would not feel good. I would not feel good for the reasons I just said. Like you went into a big game in a season that you knew you had to make noise. You had to big make big wins statement wins, breakthrough in year four, and you kept throwing rock. Maybe they threw paper, maybe they threw scissors, maybe they threw rock. You just kept throwing rock. And sometimes that wins, literally, sometimes that wins, but you're not changing. And that's going to really bum me out. It's going to get back to me calling Eli Drinkwitz a con man by relinquishing play calling duties and still having game management control, and then, oh, by the way, hiring a guy who has the same philosophy. Like, that's not going to inspire me to anything. I'll be glad that they kept it close, I guess, but this is the year to beat K-State at home while they're rebuilding. This is the year to make a run in the SEC with all these terrible quarterbacks. This is it. And you, once again, throw rock? I'm going to be upset, BK. How are you going to feel? I mean, I'll be upset. I will. Because... This is a pass-fail game to me. Mm. Like, at some point, you just got to win these games. And I've said it before, and I'm not even joking, dude. Like, I don't care how you do it. If you win 3-2, to two, fine. If you win 73-68, to 68, great. I do not care. It is a pass-fail relationship between this team and its fan base right now. And if they are able to pass this test with a win, no matter what it looks like, the defense could score 30 of the 37 points. Yeah. And, and I'd say, cool, great. Yeah, you good. found a way. Special mm-hmm. teams gets a touchdown. Uh, you end up faking a field goal and you, you throw a touchdown on it. Um the defense scores two, one with a fumble recovery, one with a pick. So now you're up to 21 points. You win 28 to 24. Great. I don't care. Honestly, I, I don't care how they do it. Because we have seen too many times in the past them find ways to lose. Them do the opposite. Auburn last year found a way. Georgia last year found a way. Florida last year found a way. Kentucky, same thing. Hell, Wake Forest, same thing. Yeah. So it is time for them to come on the other side of that ledger and to find ways to win this football game. K-State's better. They're a better football team than you, but they're on the road. 
and you have never had more doubt than right now for this specific group of players. And if that doesn't motivate them, dude, I don't, I genuinely don't know what will. Yeah. I agree. So I know we looked last time, Bill C was saying 30 to 20 K state. What's your prediction? I would go like 31 to 24, I think would be my current prediction. Good guys or bad guys? K State. Okay. I, I don't have the I don't have the guts to to no. call it for Mizzou. I, I what is it a five and a half point line now? Is that where it's it keeps going down? I saw five earlier this yeah, afternoon. Five is where it's at now. Um yeah, I it's the over under is set at forty eight. I think I would take the over on that actually. Um slightly. But... Uh twenty four twenty. I'd take the over, you know. But although I... man, Eli Drinkwitz has taught me to take the under every single Missouri game. So and, and these two games, like the other thing about this is it's going to be a possession game. You're yeah. you're not going to get, you know, 20 possessions in a game like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to be limited in terms of the number of times that you're able to handle the ball, which makes every possession that much more valuable, which is why you should go for it on fourth downs in a game like this. But anyways, yeah, I, uh, I think K-State uh, wins by seven. And yeah. I think it ends up being a game that is super frustrating to watch because Missouri is on the cusp of being able to get it. And they just, once again, because they've taught me this, find a way to lose. Where, where are you at? I think the game is decided by seven or less. I have no idea. I'll say K-State, like I said in my why not now, put on my shield, protect myself. Say that I saw it coming, so therefore I can't get hurt. I think it's going to be a touchdown game. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. I don't something like that. Seven or less. And it's going to be close because that's how this always works. And I think it's going to be a good environment. I think it's going to be a great day to watch some football. And I just hope Missouri can reward us with a win. That's all. Is it good or bad that it's eleven AM? Man, Missouri fans have been born in eleven AM. This is this is our jam. Like you you might think you play at 11 a.m. We play at 11 a.m. And I know that, you know, you, you would prefer to have your your uh, your fan base uh, lubricated for eight hours rather than two. Are, are you saying that, that that others have adapted the 11 a.m. games and we were born into it and molded? <laughs> we are them? we are the bane of 11 a.m. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. There's just I, I think we're uniquely suited for it. So I, I think we would all prefer to be under the lights because it's an old big eight matchup and, and it's a it's a big deal for us. But. I don't think that's going to matter all that much, especially since that's just kind of where this team plays. So, um, also six thirty kickoff Missouri Memphis did not see that one coming. Yeah, ESPNU baby. I talked to the uh, vice president of the St. Louis Sports Commission today at the thing, and he was like, "You know what? It's kind of like a bowl game. You you tell them that you have a game, and they'll tell you when they're going to put it on." So there you go. Um, so yeah, there's your night game in St. Louis, but. I don't know. I I I do not know how this game is going to go. I still retain my right to to be optimistic about this season. That is subject to change based off of how this game goes, and I reserve that right. But uh, I think it's going to be a good game, and by that I mean it's going to be close. Probably not going to be pretty, but I'm ready. I'm ready to get hurt again, BK. I really am. 
what are your parting shots for for our listeners? I don't know if I'm ready to be heard again. Um, I feel like I'm going to be heard again, but I don't know if I'm ready for it. Like mentally, physically, emotionally, I don't know if I'm prepared for this because last week did something to me, man. It like it lit it it flipped a switch in me where I went from being, hey, this this could be this could be a good season for Mizzou. Um, not just because of what I think of this team, but also the surrounding uh, teams in the SEC. Like, you look at the schedule and you're thinking to yourself, okay, like. LSU, some some cracks there. Georgia's not the team that I thought they were going to be coming into the season. There's some questions at quarterback at like every school in the conference. Brady Cook might not be as much of a downgrade compared to these other quarterbacks as we all thought he was going to be. In fact, for some of them, he would be an upgrade relative <laughs> to what they have right now. Um, and this defense should be so good. And so I was like, hi, you can dream a little bit on it. And then that game happened, and it's just got me... My, my wires are so crossed right now where I'm almost, like, evaluating every game with seven different ways of how it could go because of what happened last week. If I eliminated that game from my mind, uh -huh. if I just pretended that game never happened, I would probably be picking Missouri to win this game. But because it happened, I can't do that. So... It's uh, it's sent me into a lot of different directions. <sighs> I'm in a glass case of emotion, is what I'm trying to say. You are, and I'm struggling to figure out which side is up. It's okay. We will get there together. We will find out what happens on Saturday. For better or worse, you're gonna get a reaction pod from our beat guys, and you're gonna get a reaction pod from us. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna get it done. But that is our show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm Matt Nietzsche Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. Of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation and our podcasting outlet at Rockin' Radio. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. Until then, MIZ. ZOU. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more, just like it beamed directly into your personal device. Just click the subscribe button below. Beep. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and and read about it is a great great network full of really fantastic podcasts so look them up and subscribe uh to any and all of those podcasts uh rock m radio will be back with more episodes coming soon thanks